I do think that we are going to have a very different media landscape, but in some ways could even be healthier because I think it will be young and vibrant and full of innovative, interesting solutions to these distribution and revenue raising problems. Um, I am Simon Allison. I'm the Africa editor for the Mail and Guardian newspaper. And I am also the founder of The Continent, which is a new um, sort of pan-African weekly publication. Great, Simon. So thank, thank you so much again for, uh, for joining me. And I just want to start with an obvious question. How is the Mail and Guardian coping with all that's happening uh, brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, that's a, it's a great question to start with. And the answer is a little bit complex. Um, I think like all media publications in the world, we are suffering through this paradox where our journalism has never been more relevant than before. Our audiences have never been bigger. We, we're posting record audiences online every week. And um, there is de a definite hunger for the kind of journalism that we are producing. At the same time, our advertising revenue has pretty much fallen off a cliff as the economic impact of the pandemic hit South Africa. Um, so advertisers are pulling out more and more. And so we are having to do more and better journalism with less and less funds. And that's kind of, you know, th th that's a paradox that a lot of media houses all around the world find themselves in. Um, I think what makes the Mail and Guardian interesting is that we are trying to use this as an opportunity to change how we do things, um, to look at our business models, to look at um, how we engage with our audiences, how we reach our audiences. And we're saying, well, if the old models are not working, let's try something new. Um, and so one of the things that we tried was to just appeal directly to our readers and say, hey, look, this is our situation. Um, if you want to keep reading us, please, please give us a hand. Please subscribe. Please send a donation. Um, do what you can to, to help this journalism um, keep coming. And it, the response was staggering. I think over the course of a single weekend, we had a thousand new subscribers. Wow. Um, and they subscribed for a, a, a year-long period, paying real money to do so. Um, that, those are incredible numbers. Um, that's enough to you know, support two journalists' salaries. Amazing. I mean, obviously, South Africa at the moment is on a nationwide lockdown. Are you still getting uh, you know, people going door-to-door -door selling your newspapers? Or like, how, how has that part of the business changed? So we are still distributing the physical newspaper. So newspapers are essential services, and um, the shops and supermarkets where we would normally sell them, those are still open. However, um, there have been issues with distribution because the country is on lockdown. Not everything is functioning as smoothly as it, it does. So it can be tricky to get to every part of the country as we used to. And um, that's definitely why we are putting a lot of focus at the moment into making sure that our digital presence is um, as strong as it can possibly be, because that's really where the majority of people are finding us right now. And I just want to go back to uh, the appeal that you had for uh, your readers to support you. And one thing, I mean, I saw the appeal and one thing that stood out for me was that there was a deliberate effort put into telling your story, what you stand for, your origins. I mean, wh why was that important? You know, I think for two reasons. One is that we figured that our audience would respond to us just being as honest as possible. 
Um, and so we decided to use this opportunity to explain who we are, what our history is, what we stand for, the kind of principles that, that we deploy when we do our journalism, and lay out the situation for them and, you know, leave it up to readers to, to decide whether they did want to support us or not. Um, and so we wanted to give readers as much context as possible. The other factor in that is that our audience has become, you know, increasingly continental and even international over the last few years. We're getting more and more readers from across Africa, um, Nigeria and Kenya in particular are big audiences. And a lot of these readers may not be familiar with the Mail and Guardian brand um, and its sort of historical position in South Africa and um, the circumstances under which the newspaper was formed as a sort of way to protect free media during the apartheid regime. So we wanted to explain a little bit of the history for our newer readers um, so that they had an idea of you know, what this thing was and, and what we really stand for. Why was the appeal the better option than, for example, a paywall or even a metered paywall? So the, there is a paywall on the, on the website. We've made all our coronavirus coverage free, which is most of our coverage at the moment. So the majority of the website is freely accessible. And we did that because we decided that in this time, it, it is so important for reliable news to have as wide a reach as possible and for it to be as easy to access for people as possible. So by taking, you know, what we're encouraging people to do is to take out a subscription, which allows them to get over the paywall if they ever do encounter it. And I'm sure as we you know, go further along, we, we may tweak the decisions about which stories are paywalled and which stories are not. Are not. But for now, we want to make as much as possible freely available and uh, appeal to our readers' sort of better instincts to help us do it. And they responded um, immaculately. And the appeal, I presume, has now saved the jobs that, you know, as a publication, were worried that you're going to lose. You know, I think that the, the scale of the economic challenges are immense and we're still figuring out exactly where we stand and what our future lo looks like. So our immediate future, yes, is, is secured. Um, but things are changing very quickly and we cannot be complacent. So we are doing everything we can to look into other ways of distributing news, other ways of raising revenue, um, and how all these things might look in a post-coronavirus pandemic world, which we suspect is going to look quite different to the world that preceded it. One of the things that I read there uh, the other day, which I found interesting, was that other publications in South Africa also backed your appeal and were essentially encouraging their own subscribers to support you. I mean, what did you make about uh, all that? We were really grateful for the support that we received from other publications in South Africa. But, you know, we weren't surprised. The media industry in South Africa tends to be a very tight-knit community, um, a very supportive community, um, not especially cutthroat, um, unlike media industries in other countries. Um, and I think that the value of, an free, of a free and independent media in South Africa is one that is so entrenched in our society that I think people are prepared to, you know, even rival news organizations are prepared to put our differences aside in pursuit of what they see as an overridingly important objective, um, which is to keep as much free media going as possible. And I guess there'll be publications uh, around the continent who'll be listening to you and looking at your example and just wondering, okay, you know, we are pretty much struggling with um, using this crisis as well to kind of scale up our digital output and also monetize the digital 
um, uh, platforms as well. I mean, what kind of advice would you be giving just from your experience in the past few weeks? I guess the first point is just to be honest with your readers. Um, if you're struggling, tell them. And if you've managed to build up a relationship with those readers, they will help you um, because I think they readers value the kind of news that good journalism produces. The other thing is to not be stuck in all the old ways of doing things. Um, so to be nimble and innovative, you know, so one of the things that has been hit hardest um, in the Mail and Guardian is our events team. Um, they used to put on these events and um, charge for them and get them sponsored. And that was a, a big earner of revenue. Of course, during a lockdown, events are impossible. So we are having to you know, scratch our heads um, and figure out, well, how do we do events in a world where we can't see each other? Um, and I don't think we've quite figured out the answer to that. Those are the kinds of questions that we're asking. So being nimble is important. Trying new things is important. And I think also doing it quickly. So not waiting for the wheels to fall off completely before you appeal to your readers or before you try something new, but to do it now um, while you still have momentum and a little bit of capacity before the situation gets really bad so that you have a bit of, bit of runway to get that off the ground. Uh, you know, you say that the Mail and Guardian has a, a paywall. I mean, media organizations like yours are businesses. They have to pay salaries. They have to make a profit. But then there's also the question about if you put your content behind a paywall, then, you know, you're essentially giving that access or rather limiting that access to only a privileged few. I mean, there's also the impact to democracy. I just wonder whether you have agonized as to how to kind of fix that balance of, yes, you have to pay your bills and make the profits, but also you have this important role in a democracy to make sure that the information that you're producing reaches the widest uh, possible number of people, and even those who cannot uh, afford your product. It's a great question, and it is something... Um that certainly does cause some tension in the newspaper between the sort of editorial and commercial wings of the organization sometimes. I think that most journalists want their work to be read and shared and viewed as much as possible because they believe that inf information should, should spread and people should be informed and all of these great things. And then you've got the commercial team who also quite rightly are like, well, we got to pay your bills somehow. So we need to um, put up a paywall or make it more difficult for people to access. Um, and it's something we haven't quite resolved. Um, it's definitely a work in progress. And that's why at the moment, we've got this slightly awkward situation where, we, yes, we have a paywall on the Mail and Guardian website, but we're also offering a lot of our content for free because we think it's so important for that content to be free at this time. And um, that's a dilemma we have yet to resolve. One of the ways that I am tackling it is, you know, we're looking at alternative business models, alternative ways to fund our journalism. And one of the ways that, that we are considering and we are actually implementing is donor-funded journalism, getting grant-making organizations to give us money to do the kinds of things that we want to do. Um, I run the Africa section for the Mail and Guardian, so I've been able to raise some funding for Africa content specifically. And as part of the deal with that funding is that this content would not be paywalled because someone else is paying for it already. And in addition to that, 
the content we produce with this grant money will be freely available for republication by any other African publication. Um, because we, yeah, we want this to spread far and wide. And if we've got someone paying to produce the content, then we believe we should make it as freely available as possible. And probably just the best place to, uh, to segue to your new project, The Continent. So The Continent is, it's an experiment. And that's probably the best description for it. Um, we were sort of, it all happened very quickly. Um, a few weeks ago, we were a few journalists at the MNG. We were sitting around and talking about how everyone we know who is not a journalist gets their news from WhatsApp. You know, our, our aunts and our friends and our sort of colleagues in different industries. Um, WhatsApp seems to be the primary driver of information, certainly in South Africa. And from what I gather, more generally on the continent, that is true as well. And we thought, well, that's just crazy because so much of the information is not true. There's no way to know if it's true. There's, there's unreliable. Um, and very few, if any, major media organizations have figured out a way to target WhatsApp specifically, um, it, you know, to package their news in a way that is accessible in WhatsApp and easily shareable via WhatsApp. And so we came up with an idea. And I have to say, this is not an entirely original idea. I wish that I could claim it for myself. Um, but the people that deserve the credit for this idea are 263 Chat in Zimbabwe. They're a fantastic news organization. And yeah, I know Nigel is, is, is an amazing guy. Nigel's, and Nigel's people. a visionary. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Nigel came up with this idea to put their content into a PDF. And the PDF is designed to look like a newspaper with a masthead, with a front page, and you read it as you would a newspaper. It's got pictures, um, and he very quickly created a subscriber base, a huge subscriber base for this PDF publication, and it is enormously successful in Zimbabwe. Um, other Zimbabwean organizations have also um, contributed to, to developing this concept, Kubutana. Um, are an, another sort of civil society focused news organization that do fantastic work. And they also have a PDF publication um, that they send to a very large list of subscribers. And so we thought, well, I mean, that seems like a way that we as the Mail and Guardian um, could potentially investigate. Um, and so that's exactly what we've done is we've created this new publication. It's called The Continent. And it is a PDF, um, it's beautifully designed, and it's optimized to be read on a smartphone. Um, and it comes to you as a PDF, it's a small file size, 1.1 megabyte. Um, and we encourage you to, if you receive that PDF, to forward it, to send it along to people who you think might be in interested. And we're hoping to make use of the same viral networks that are exploited by disseminators of fake news and disinformation. Um, you know, the, the, there's, there's exponential audience growths that can come when people are sharing to their friends who share to their friends who share to their friends. So how do people subscribe and how often does it uh, come out? So you can, it's a weekly. Um, it comes out on a Saturday. The next edition will drop this Saturday coming up. And you can get hold of us on the continent at mg.co.za or just send us a WhatsApp message on plus two seven seven three eight zero five 
6068. Um, and we will send you a copy and add you to our mailing lists. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful, even if I say so myself, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Um, I think it's a lovely sort of snapshot of where the continent is at. We've got reporters in, in this latest edition, we had reporters reporting from eight different African countries um, and really providing a lovely sort of insight into what life is like at the moment in these strange and unusual times and how the pandemic is manifesting differently across the continent. And the reason we think it's so important is because this is a threat that we cannot confront on our own. Um, the pandemic requires united action. You know, epidemiologists keep saying it doesn't matter if you fix the problem in Kenya, if Tanzania still has the problem, then it'll come back to Kenya. We all have to work together. And one of the main ways that we can foster that sense of unity is just by knowing a little bit more about each other and by having accurate, reliable news from across the continent. Um, and hopefully we'll expand that to have some international coverage as well um, so that we know exactly what's going on in our world. And the publication is free, is it? It is totally free. And the only thing that we ask from readers is if they have enjoyed the publication to please forward it on. I'm, I'm interested in two things. One, uh, the production costs of uh, the continent and also how you track, you know, just how far it travels within the uh, WhatsApp ecosystem. Two great questions. In terms of production costs, actually very minimal. Um, at the moment, I'm funding most of the production costs personally. And really, there's not much. We need a designer and we need some when we need content. Um, luckily, we have you know, the continent has a formal partnership with the Mail and Guardian, so we can share content between the two publications. So, um, while I'm commissioning a little bit specifically for the continent, some of it comes from the Mail and Guardian. With the content in place, the production costs are very minimal um, because you just create this PDF and you send it out. So we have to buy a cheap cell phone, a SIM card, um, and that's really about it. How, how do you track how it travels and how it's shared within WhatsApp? The problem of tracking has been one of the main reasons why media organizations have been reluctant to embrace WhatsApp as a publication platform. And I get it because you need accurate numbers to show advertisers. You need accurate numbers to show donors that you are having an impact. We did not feel that this was enough of a reason not to go ahead with this. Basically, what I'm saying is, is, is we don't have a good means of tracking at the moment. Um, we don't really know how far and wide this publication is going. Um, and we're okay with that. We think that we will develop some things as we go along. And we've put in a few things in place to try and help us get a sense of how popular it is. One of those has been to include a quiz in the publication. Um, it's an African news quiz, 12 questions to test, you know, how, how pan-African are you really? And if you want the answers, then you send a message to a WhatsApp number that we have put on the page. And that has been a fascinating insight into how far this thing has traveled because we are getting requests for answers to the quiz from all over the African continent, Anglophone countries, Francophone countries, and beyond. Plenty um, uh, in Europe, North America, even some from Southeast Asia, which just gives you a sense of, you know, things, things take strange paths and go to strange places that you would not necessarily expect. 
Um, and so that is one way that we, we're using as a sort of proxy. I think as we go further, we're going to keep um, collecting all the stats we can and develop some algorithms to sort of say, well, if we're getting this many answers to the quiz, we can use that as a, as a proxy to understand that X number of people have probably received the publication, et cetera, et cetera. But that to us is a medium-term goal. Our short-term goal is to get this thing going, get it out there. Um, if it proves to be successful, then our plan is to approach WhatsApp and Facebook and say, look, we're doing this. It's working. Um, help us track this. Um, can you help us provide the metrics? Um, and that would be a small but important service that these social media giants can do to fight back against the spread of fake news on their platforms. It's definitely a precedent at times. What are the changes? What are the opportunities? What, what, what do you see happening? in terms of the media and the continent, They're obviously including your operations in South Africa as well? Um, that is a very good question. And I fear that the answer is probably quite bleak. I think that a lot of established publications are probably going to run into insurmountable obstacles when advertising revenue dries up. And they are not nimble enough to change their business model overnight which is kind of what is required in these circumstances. I don't think that this means there won't be great journalism coming out of this continent because the demand for news is so high that we will find ways of servicing that demand and we will find ways to pay for it. It'll be different ways. Um, you know, the, I'm not sure how long the physical newspapers are going to still be able to be the sort of primary mechanism of, of news delivery. Um, but I do think that we are going to have a very different media landscape, but in some ways could even be healthier because I think it will be young and vibrant and full of innovative, interesting solutions to these distribution and revenue raising problems. And some of them won't work, but some of them will. And those that do are going to become case studies for how media in the rest of the world can cope as their business models collapse around them. You know, many have predicted the death of newspapers, uh, especially in the past decade. But do you think this crisis kind of accelerates it in just a different, it just kind of makes it uh, increasingly an untainable business? I do. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why print has not collapsed yet is that the, the business model that underpins print is not really, it doesn't really matter about people buying the publication. That's not where most of the money for print publications comes. It comes from advertisers advertising in those print publications. And we see it even today at the Mail and Guardian. Um, advertisers want to see their advert printed. And I don't really understand why, but this seems to be a very important thing. Now, the economic impact on the kinds of businesses that are advertising in our publications, the shops, the banks, the airlines, the transport companies, et cetera. The economic impact of the pandemic on them is gonna be so huge that they're not gonna be able to put ads in newspapers um, anymore. And, and that side of the market's gonna dry up. And once that dries up, well then it's gonna be very, very hard to continue printing an expensive product when you can find ways of you know, putting all that money into the journalism specifically and finding ways where the distribution costs are and, and printing costs are not really relevant. Um, and that's why we're excited about this PDF model because we think it solves, it still gives you a traditional newspaper, 
um, in a traditional newspaper format without any of the associated costs of producing a print product. Um, and that could be a game changer. That was Simon Allison, the Africa editor of the Mail and Guardian in South Africa. You can now download my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, if you have an Android phone, and it's also on Spotify and SoundCloud. Just search for my name, Dickens Olewe. And of course, leave a rating when you find it. If you have any questions or comments, I'm always on Twitter. My handle is at Dickens Olewe. And as always, thank you so much for listening and for your comments. And until next time, bye-bye.